Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This is a bonus episode as we break transmission to give you an episode <laughs> on a film our followers voted as the best Netflix original film. It's Netflix 199th film. It's from 2019. It's a drama. It's Marriage Story. It's directed by Noah Baumbach. It stars Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver, Laura Dern, Alan Elder, Ray Liotta, Julie Haggerty, and Merritt Weber. I am Jesse, and MJ is here with me. How are you, mate? Good. How are you? I'm good. Were you a little bit too excited about this bonus episode? That I was, did, I was, did I was trying to the word like, Netflix. <laughs> I did. I got like three words in. I was like Netflix. I think it's Netflix. <laughs> Man, we we use that word a lot in in Flix forum. So you're obviously very know, excited about bonus episode. I've been struggling with uh, lots of uh, words lately, but Netflix is one you think that I'd be able to uh, to get right. But unfortunately, I didn't. But that is okay because we, we like to go live and we like to let our listeners hear oh, how uh, human we are. It's <laughs> very true. So, yeah, so... We, we I mentioned I mentioned this in the start, but this this is a breakaway. This is a bit of a special one that we've put together. And and MJ, you had a bit of a, a say in how we did this. So how do we come to doing a, an episode on Marriage Story? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think anyone who who listens to us regularly understand that we we go through uh, all the Netflix films as they have been released chronologically. Um, and I think at the moment we're up to about June 2018, and we're in the 90s somewhere. But um, yeah, this is the third bonus episode we did. So we did we did a Facebook poll probably just over a year ago about what what fans wanted to hear, and that was what we did to all the boys to all the boys of love before. And then we did one for the Irishman as soon as that came out, just to buy into the hype that everyone else around the world was going with, and we kind of couldn't hold it back. So we did that one too. That was but a this big was... episode. We had a we had a big cast of uh, <laughs> help us for that big. one too. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was about an hour and a half long, and. Um, <laughs> But this one was this one was more born out of the fact that we're all in isolation. Um, Netflix obviously has a great opportunity to have a lot of films that people can watch at the moment, and, and I sort of thought let's let's go into our Flix forum family and find out what the best or the most popular Netflix original film actually is. Now this included films that we hadn't covered on the podcast yet, um, mm. so I sort of did a bit of scrounging around and, and came up with 32 films to put into the bracket. Uh, and that was basically films that were a, a combination of the most highly rated on IMDb uh, combined with films that had a lot of different individual ratings. So it meant that they had a lot of enough eyeballs as well to see them. So we did the bracket. Um, Marriage Story was actually our number three seed. Um, the Irishman, unsurprisingly, number one seed. And had Bird Box at number two. So the bracket was a lot of fun. Uh, I think you, you, you probably enjoyed it as well, Jesse, but we, we did the votes every few days on, on Instagram and Facebook on our story. We had a lot of great conversation, a lot of new a lot of new members of the Flix Forum family came on board and, and got their vote. And everyone's passionate about the movies that they love. But as it turned out, it was Marriage Story versus The Irishman in the final. And Marriage Story came home with a whopping 71% of the votes in that final um to, to win yeah to, to yeah. go down as the number one netflix original film and since we hadn't done it yet we thought well you know what let's give the fans what they really want and let's have a chat about it and i hope that we uh, don't disappoint any of our fans <clears throat> with um our discussion on it hopefully that they uh that they're understanding that we we are just uh everyday film lovers giving our thoughts that's it is it was a podcast for film lovers by film lovers but now this was a lot of fun to do the bracket um we had 
Roma and Okja were the other two films that got booted out in the semi-finals, and a couple of surprise packages with Paddleton and Fundamentals of Caring also doing really well as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun. Obviously, very subjective, but that's what our uh, that's what our fans wanted to, wanted to see, and and here we are. Good, and hopefully they're going to listen to us. That'd be nice as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if they if they've heard you say that, they're already in. True. So we might as well get into it. And we start our show with our fast flicks where we do our little quick uh, summary of the film. So MJ, what's your fast flicks for Marriage Story? Yeah, so Marriage Story. um, Sadly, a large part of marriage is divorce. And this story highlights the toll that divorce can have on families, both as a unit and individually, as we look to rediscover what's truly important in our lives. Nice. Wow, that's didn't talk about characters or anything. It was just the the whole overall sort of thing. I liked it. It's yeah, nice. thank you. It's it's a bit yeah, there. Good, There's a lot to it. There is an awful lot to this one. Um, so yeah, my my summary is not going to cover everything, but I, I've put it as a a marriage breakdown that that doesn't take sides mm. with um sort of performances of a lifetime. Mm. I like Very that. Brief, actually. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think that the performances are something from this one that I definitely take away from it. Oh, for sure, mate, for sure. Hey, should we do a spoiler alert as well? I reckon we should. Let's give it, hit us up with our spoiler alert. Well, look, I mean, we normally get in a little bit later after we've discussed a little bit of stuff, but we are going to spoil this film uh, throughout the entirety of this podcast. So if you haven't seen Marriage Story and you would like to see Marriage Story, then uh, then maybe watch it before you listen to us and then come back and listen to us and, and be part of the conversation. So uh, that's probably the best way to do it because we might ruin the film. Good. Love it. So uh, this is where we lead into what we're able to discover about a film, any background information, how it was made, those types of things. And I think we're going to have a plethora of stuff for this one. So MJ, you do such a good job um, of filling <laughs> us in on, on how films are made and, and what happens in the in the industry. So let's let's hear what you've got to say. It's funny because a lot of the films we do are quite small films and we sit there and we, we, we find out that it was filmed in one one city and we're like, that's all I could find out about this film. But obviously when we get the bigger films like this, there's yeah, there's information everywhere for us. But um, just to, I like to give a flavour of how things came to be and how this film ended up being on your TV. So uh, Noah Bomback, obviously the writer and director of this film, a uh, very highly acclaimed director as well. So he's actually a child of divorce himself um, and he was divorced as an adult from Jennifer Jason Lee back in 2010. So he's got that idea of divorce. And although this uh, drew from his own personal story, it's certainly not necessarily his own story. And he, he spent months researching the subject, talking to divorce lawyers, judges, mediators, even querying some friends about their experiences that they have with broken marriages. So that's kind of how the idea uh, came to par. And then, um, he decided really on early on that he wanted Adam Driver to play Charlie in this film. Um, I'm pretty sure Driver and Bombac have had quite a few films together. They're obviously pretty close mates. So he got collaborating with him really early. And it was actually Adam Driver who decided that Charlie should be a theatre director in the film. Yeah. Um, and then from then, Scarlett Johansson was, unbeknownst to Bombac, was actually going through her second divorce when she agreed to do this film. And, I think it was exactly what she needed when she was sort of in, bet- in between, you know, big shoots for the Avengers, which would have been more physically taxing and obviously a lot of time away from home on set. But this was something that she could really sink her teeth into and look forward to during all that. So hmm. it got to late 2017 when he actually finished writing the script. He took it to British producer David Heyman, who famously did the Harry Potter films and Gravity. And together, they basically took that package to several studios and they got a fair bit of interest, but 
Netflix actually had the edge because despite the fact that Bombac does love, you know, the theatrical experience, he did have a really good experience working with Netflix on the Mywitch stories, which we actually have covered on this podcast, and we both really enjoyed. I was, was going to mention that. I, is this possibly? And I know. So we we did do the Mywitch stories, and and I think you know the, the idea for Marriage Story came to him like when he was in post production for that. The just sort of touching base with that, we we did that on our show. I think this is possibly the first podcast we've done where we've both actually seen this film as well prior to doing this podcast. Um, mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's probably just a little bit of context around it too. That you know we've we've got this understanding of um like we did a full episode on um, Maywit stories, so mm-hmm. we've got background on that. And obviously, yeah, this is our our second watching of this film too. So hopefully, that gives us a little bit more insight too. Oh, so you're trying to say that we're experts after you just you said talk. take everything we're saying with a grain of salt? I just wanted to give a bit of context in case anyone wanted to jump on and and check out. We have done a podcast on that as well. Um, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of similarities uh, thematically with the exploration of family in, in my wits as there are in Marriage Story. But um, Netflix actually offered their them the longest ever theatrical window they'd actually offered, which was a four-week theatrical window, uh, which I think almost sealed the deal for, for Noah Bombay to get this done with Netflix. Um, it also came with an $18 million budget, which was enough for him to do what he wanted to do with it. So... That was the the sort of negotiations that made this a, a Netflix original film. Um, and then we had a 47-day production beginning in January 2018 that, from what I can gather, went pretty much without without a hitch. Um, and then the film premiered in August of that same year at the Venice Film Festival, which was well ahead of, uh, I think it's late November and then the November theatrical release and then December 6, Netflix debut. And that's kind of the story of how a marriage story became what it is you've put it all together so nicely as usual um i've i've only got a couple of little other little bits to add in i guess that are all going to sound sort of out of joint compared to the narrative that um you've just been able to provide us (laughs) but uh you know so you mentioned that it did you know have that small theatrical um release before it hit netflix so it made Mm -hmm. 2.3 million at the box office which you know it's it's not too bad for a a film that i guess if if it wasn't picked up by netflix this would probably be playing indie theaters anyway um but let's so, also say people people knew that they could wait a month and they can watch it, I say for free, but they could watch it with their subscription that they're paying anyway. So it's an interesting one, the whole theatrical release mixed in with uh, knowing that it's coming to Netflix because, I don't know, I watched, I didn't, we, we had the chance. There was a few cinemas around us in Melbourne that, that played Marriage Story, but I I just waited until it was on Netflix. Yeah, same. I yeah, waited till, um you know, it sort of suited because I knew it was sitting there, like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah, the so the I guess in the filming the there's a scene towards the end where Adam Driver does this performance of the song Being Alive and mm. and that was filmed live and done in one take which I thought was was pretty cool to hear that sort of story from the making of a film where you know often scenes that you know you you have 20 30 mm. takes so just nice to hear that you know that they did have these sorts of successes while um creating this film as well. Yeah. Um, not not a bad and, voice either. Adam Driver like not a great voice but <laughs> For, for uh, one, at, times, at times I struggled. Like he just, he's had, it just sounds like Kylo Ren. You like close your eyes and you're like, I just have that <laughs> it's, it's a bit like that Daniel Radcliffe effect. Um, yeah. Well, Adam Driver was role. a bit more established before Kylo Ren. Yeah. Very so true. he, he um, kind of got the runs on the board there, but yeah, it's a good point. The, the only other thing that I, I've got for this one is that, um, you know, in, in January this year that, um, 
the Criterion Collection announced that they were going to release Marriage Story um, with their, you know, their DVD Blu-ray releases, um, along with a couple of other Netflix films, uh, The Irishman, American Factory, and Atlantics. Uh, there's only one other Netflix film that's been released on um, the Criterion Creation so, collection so far, um, and that was Roma. And I've, I'm very happy to say I have a copy of that. Yeah, um, I don't do. But I yeah, do. I, yeah. But I'll, I'll probably, um, when they do release it on the Criterion collection, I'll probably try and grab a, a copy because they're always come with this cool little booklet with so much more information about the production of the film and yeah. and you know usually usually a lot of special features that you, you're not going to find on Netflix. So that's yeah, cool. I do enjoy. Yeah. I do love my physical movie collection, but it, it it is nothing compared to what you've got, Jesse. You've got a physical movie collection that can be marvelled at. Uh, I'm nothing compared to like a Tarantino or anything, but um, I do. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but I do, I do like um exactly the same as you. Like having a, a physical collection where you know you you get those special features and you've got that artwork sitting in your hand. It just um it means it means you know being a film lover. That's something that you you just. I agree. Yeah. You know, you watch the release dates of when films are coming out because you can be like, I can own that now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you are good like that. Um, <laughs> it was an eighteen million dollar film. Now, would you like to know what kind of movies yes, have I been do. made for eighteen million dollars? It's been a while since we've had this section where you, you fill us in on on what are some similar films. So, what what are some other eighteen million dollar films? Well, I've got The Hunt, which I've put there just because it's very recent, so you can sort of compare apples with apples. Now, The Hunt was yep. famously released on video on demand quite recently during all the COVID-19 closure of cinemas. So hmm. um, I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? Yes, I have watched That's The Hunt. Um, had, yeah, I, yeah um, paid the 25 bucks, whatever it was, yeah. um, to rent it for, I think you got 48 hours to watch it. Um, the yeah. It has one of our famous um, Netflix characters, um, character actors in it as well, who directed the um, oh, that uh, Girlfriend's Day film. What was his name? <laughs> I can't even remember his name. Who directed Girlfriend's Day? Um, oh, oh make on Blair. Make on Blair. Thank you very yeah, much. Make- yes, he has a he has a good role in it. Oh, does he? <laughs> I'm glad you're I'm glad you're there. Yeah, Make on Blair. That was uh, the, my Netflix connection to the Hunt. Was um, Make oh, on Blair? Is it? So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the Hunt. I thought that was. Um, and obviously, the uh, it was written by the guy who created Lost, um, co-created with J.J. Uh, Abrams. So that was why I had a bit of a connection and really wanted buys. to see the hunt. <laughs> hmm. no, yeah, um, def- definitely like hunt. Uncle Drew, twenty eighteen. I again, I put that in there because it's recent. But there you go. Would you rather spend eighty million dollars on Uncle Drew or eighty million dollars on Marriage Story? Like, uh, <laughs> I, like a- I like I like Uncle Drew as well. So like- <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so true, true. Um, and some bigger films that are a little bit older, but Borat, The Mask, Legally Blonde, Mean Girls, and Austin Powers all made for $80 million. So you look at it, that sort of comedy, sort of like light comedy, fun. Big, these are big comedies, mind you. Um, yeah. So you can do a bit of you can do a bit of damage with that, Emil. Good. Yeah. And obviously filmed and you know filmed in between LA and New York, so that's going to take up a bit of the the costs for. Um, the the budget as well when you you've got two different locations and two very different locations I guess mm, that's um, a good point. You know, across across the country. Hmm. Good. It's also probably um, worth mentioning. Anything? Yeah, well, it's probably just I mean, everyone. I mean, a lot of people know this, but I mean, this was a movie that was nominated for best picture, best actor, best actress, best supporting actress, which it won, best original screenplay, and best original score. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's an absolute beast, and it's a great feat for Netflix to to bring this bring this movie into its fold. Yeah, I, I went. I looked and had a look at how many overall nominations and wins it had. So it had two hundred and forty six nominations. So yes. that's not wins, and then one hundred and twenty three wins. So that you know that's three hundred and seventy odd total accumulated nominations. Yeah, that's, wow. That's huge. 
It did a lot huge. of damage, yeah. It did. And I thought that just to add a little bit of an Australian flavor to this, that uh, we have our actor awards in Australia, which are like the Australian equivalent of, you know, the the BAFTAs or mm. the Oscars or whatever. And um, Adam Driver won um, the, the best um, international acting award for a lead actor um, at the 2020 awards this year. So Is that right? Nice yeah, nice little Australian connection. Interesting. There you go. Yeah. Um, it's consensus time, I think. I think we should yeah. talk about what the, the critics and the, the general population are saying about this, MJ. What have you got? Oh, mate, they love it. Like, this is so highly rated. Um, on IMDb, it's an 8 out of 10 with 207,000 ratings. And on Letterboxd, it's a 4.1 out of 5 on nearly 243 ratings. Like, people thousand, just yeah. love love this movie yeah 243,000 yeah. ratings <laughs> yeah that's Sorry, huge. yeah the letterbox and audience then, loves it and and everyone and that's just very high for letterbox too over really a four, high you're looking at you know you know those there's not a lot of films that oh, have I mean, over, over a, a four, four is elite it is elite yeah that's huge uh the google users there was 88 percent of people that liked this one okay so that sort of fits in around that 80 percent um mark that we're getting from letterbox as well the Rotten Tomatoes. This is probably a, the highest amount of critic <laughs> reviews we've had. Three hundred yep. over three hundred and sixty reviews. Yep. It's uh, certified fresh on ninety five percent, which yeah, is right. extremely high. And the audience had it at eighty five percent, which fits mm. in with everything else that we're talking about. Um, and that was only on one hundred and eighty four people, though. So um, a little bit lower compared to what we're getting on IMDb and Letterboxd. You know, based on viewer numbers. And what's most be. important, it was voted in the Flix Forum bracket <laughs> by the Flix Forum family as the number one Netflix original film. So we're dealing with an absolute beast here. So if anyone wants to add that to IMDb, that um, could be a good little fact that uh, future people could um, reference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, put uh, that in the award nominations. And <laughs> love it. All right, so early thoughts time. I think this is where we, we head into our early thoughts on the film and, and, and just before we get into the depth of it, I guess. So, MJ, what are your early thoughts on this one? Yeah, as you said, I, I, I had watched this. Um, I watched it probably within a couple of days of it coming out uh, late last year. And I really liked it when I first watched it. And I wasn't overly looking forward to a rewatch, but I, I knew that I'd probably benefit from it because it was such a... Noah Bomback doesn't waste a scene, and I knew that watching it again, I, I'd get more out of it. And and look, watching it again, I, I still think it's really good, and and I think I appreciate it more than I want to sort of revel in it because I I actually don't have a personal connection with divorce, and I, this film is about more than just divorce, but it plays a huge part. And and I, I can watch all this happening, and I, I can really appreciate and sympathise with everything that they go through. And I respect the way that the whole thing's been thoughtfully put together and the way the characters are so realistically developed and portrayed. But I still do miss that personal connection to to the main crux of the storyline. Despite, I, I'm absolutely blown away by the humanity that Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson bring to these roles. Like, they are enormous in this movie. And there's so much luck about this movie. Uh, and, I, and I really like it. But there's just that one little connection that I'm, I'm probably lacking from it. Yeah, I, I don't even know if I need to go into my early thoughts because I, I don't, I don't want to sound like a repetitive. Um, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like a copycat, one of those those students that just says, "Yeah, whatever he said is what I say." But um, I'm, I'm the same. I, I probably watched it a little bit later than you did. I think probably about a month after it had come out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, obviously, rewatched it, and the the pace of it is something that 
I was sort of dreading a little bit as well because I remember mm. it being fairly slow. Um, and, you know, I'm the same. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough not to have had mm. any of these experiences with my family or my relationships. So while the events weren't massively, massively relatable, um, I still like, I'm the same. I think the performances, they make you believe what's happening. And, and that's what grabbed me for this one. So mm. I've said what you said just in different words. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But you know what? There's people who are either their parents have been divorced and, and, and it's a huge part of their childhood or they've been through really bad breakups themselves. And these are friends of mine who are in those situations who love this movie. They, they love the fact that this movie has just incredibly well captured that part of their lives. And that it's, it's an enormous part of their life. And, and, and it's not necessarily what you see in a film. You've got all these love stories and this is still kind of a love story, but you got all these love stories and this is kind of talking about the harsh reality of, of what it happens when it sort of hits a wall. And I think people really, really appreciate that. And I appreciate it too. I just don't yeah. connect as much with it. Yep. hundred percent agree with you. So let's move into our characters for this one. Um, you know, mm. in our show, we, we have a chat about some of the characters, what our thoughts are on them. So MJ, I want you to start us off with a, a, the first character that you'd like to talk about. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to talk about Charlie Barber, please, Jesse. Sure, I'll give you permission. Let's let's have a chat about Charlie, um, played by our friend Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Actually, I used, to play, I used to play footy with a guy called Adam Driver. So it, it actually took me a while to get the whole Adam Driver name. Like I was like, oh, that's weird. This actor is called Adam Driver, but now I'm at a point where Adam Driver, the actor, is bigger in my life than Adam Driver, the guy I used to play footy with. So, oh god, I hope you don't see this guy anymore. Uh, yeah, he lives in the UK now, so I don't see him too much. But anyway, he's a good guy. I just don't. <laughs> anyway, Charlie Barber. Um, he is a man that is so in control to the point that he doesn't actually recognize how controlling he is and and his flaws and they are real flaws they they aren't intentional i don't think so he's so caught up and he's so confident that he's making the right choices that he doesn't stop to think how they're actually impacting the people around him and, and when he starts to recognize that he loses that confidence and he loses that control and he becomes lost and and you see that throughout the film where you feel the anxiety of Charlie's story rising as time goes on. And Adam Driver just navigates that perfectly. Um, but even when he does get lost, he's still kind of that know-it-all dad. And and that's that's still his comfort zone, despite it being more frosty, because it just loses impact on everyone around him and himself. So I, I can't tell you enough how real this character actually felt. Like his decision-making, his thought processes, his like you're kind of a shit dude but you don't mean to be i just i understand all of it and i think that i behave similarly in, in a lot of in a lot of ways and if i was in his situation i reckon i'd do and say the same thing sometimes but i just i can't tell you how much i loved adam driver's performance yeah i i agree with everything you've said because like the way that i i saw him it was almost like this roller coaster of of where he was at and you know they, they start him off as this this neat character who rarely gets defeated and then you know you see him head it's like he's on this roller coaster and he hits down and he you know mm. he's at this stage where he's almost defeated and and you know he's got to try and, and bounce back up and, and overcome that and it, to me the the one line that I put together that I was like his passion for theater got in the way of his family and I, and, and this is just my take it's not obviously the the correct take or anything but th this is these are the things that you know he, he has this affair and that's because of the theater. Um, mm. You know, he, he forgets things or he can't spend time um, with Henry because of the theater. So um, I like that 
towards the end, we get to see that, you know, he's, he's fought so hard for New York throughout because of the theater, but he realizes towards the end, Hey, I can still come to LA. I can take Mm. up a residency at UCLA and still do theater and still have the family. And I know it's, it was too late for anything to ever be good between him and Nicole again, but it was just nice to see him go up and down, up and down to sort of work out, okay, I can still have my family. I can be around my son and I can still do theater as well. And that, mm. that was just how I felt about him. And I agree, like the performance from Driver is just top notch, top notch. Yeah, mate, absolutely. And and I actually think that he doesn't get to the point that he's at at the end without this having happened to him. There's no way that this marriage is actually ever going to work with his personality the way it is because it took so much for him to actually realize it that he didn't even realize that he was on rock bottom when he got to rock bottom sort of thing. And it was it was a shock. Everything just came as a shock because he just never saw any of it coming because he was so... And, and if it wasn't theater, it would have been something else. It, you, you just yeah. get the feeling of that personality of his. He's so in control and I am making the right decision all the time. It's like, yeah, the whole time he's just, he's got to be fixated on something and, and he can't you know, adapt to to include anything else apart from that fixation. And yeah. that's probably why it worked with Nicole at the start because she was a part of this fixation. She was a part of the action yeah. of the theater company. So it worked. But then when she decides, hey, uh, and this is probably a bit of a segue into Nicole, but when she decides, hey, I want more than just theatre. I want to have my own, you know, solo career where I'm not in your shadow or I'm not in, you know, I'm not following your footsteps. Um, she needed her own independence, but, um, you know, and, and she needed to not just feel like she was feeding. I think she said like something along the lines of I'm feeding your aliveness or something. And, mm. and she needed to feel more than just being, you know, a co-partner, I guess. She wanted her own. That's what she said. He didn't see me as something separate from himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're. I think you're really right there. And moving on to Nicole, th- this is the one thing I found interesting on the rewatch is that I, I noticed things a lot more from Nicole's perspective than I did when I first watched it. And and that's and that's probably mainly to do with my connection with Charlie that I had, and it was so all encompassing in the first watch. But also probably just a, a a bad miss from my part that. And I do this a lot. I watch a film once and I, I take you know thirty forty percent out of it. And I think I just sat myself in Charlie's shoes in that first watch and didn't get into Nicole's character, which is you know, not a good way to do it. But I I didn't actually realize watching it this time around, you know, that Nicole kind of, she comes out of things all right. I think when I first watched it, I didn't, I didn't get that from her. I thought this was kind of like collateral damage for both of them and they both come out of it really badly. But um you know, like she was really stunted and she was fighting for some independence and you really do understand why she's doing all this. Um, and I probably didn't get that the first time. Yeah, she definitely has, at, at the end of the film, she has a lot more yeah, confidence in herself um, and she has she has that ability now that she can do her own thing without him. And mm. he he sort of, it sort of switches a little bit because he can only do his thing now in mm. the location that she wants because of having that child. So it's not like a complete switch, but yeah, I I think you get what I mean. Like it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, she still wants it and she makes, she still wants to be friends with him, but through Nora, um, she's able to sort of build up this aggression almost, or this, you know, Nora's able to convince her, Hey, you need to stand up for yourself more. And that's what she needed. She wanted to have more of an independence. And I think Nora is able to, to give that um, to her. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I, I remember I initially thought that she was just sucked in by Nora. You know, because mm-hmm. Nora sort of pushed her and and 
made her act in a way that I didn't necessarily think she wanted to. But um, there was definitely that realization that this is actually going to be a process to help her separate herself and start fresh properly. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it, it, like she, she ends the story in a really good place, like career wise, she's got the home that she wants family. She's close and really close with her family. She's got a new partner. She's got a great relationship with her ex. Like this is a good news story for her. I mean, there's a lot of pain that got her there, but. Hmm. Couldn't agree more. Um, Henry, we, we, haven't, we haven't mentioned, so Henry's pretty much the issue that, that well, you know, he's one of the reasons why we've got this separation between um, LA and, and New York, I guess, mm. as, as locations and where they want to be. And for me, the majority of the film, I felt that, um, and they, they make this clear, that he, this mum phase is something that um, he struggles to get through. And at the same time, though, like as, a, as an audience member, you need to be reminded that, you know, this he's just a kid um mm. and and it did like you know as, as an audience I, I felt upset when you know charlie tries to mm. um give him a hug and you know yep. just runs past him and when he's in bed and he's like wants charlie out of bed and you know the, mm. the halloween costumes and all that sort yep. of stuff yep. um and it's not a personal thing and and sometimes it's hard to adapt to that when you don't have kids and it's like you know i'm, I'm feeling him i'm like wow this 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 dad is like you know getting nothing from his kid and he seems to be mm. putting it in but at the same time like um henry is this kid he just wanted he just wanted to fit in he he just wanted to to have friends he wanted to be in a stable location he wanted to have his family around him and and at the end of the day it, to him it wasn't he wasn't trying to be mean to to charlie or try to you know um isolate himself from charlie it was just that was he's just a kid <laughs> and, yeah and that's and yeah, that, I don't know. That was all I wanted to say about Henry, I guess. But yeah, Just, kids uh, think really short term, right? So he thinks, yeah. how how is today going to be a good day? Well, it's going to be good because I want to play this game with mum. Simple as that. And he's not thinking about how it's going to impact his dad. And yeah, it's it's hard because they do make, from an audience perspective, you just think sometimes, God, this kid's being such a little dick, but he's not doing it for any other reason than he's being a kid. Yeah, but I think at the same time, I think that having um, Sandra, who was Nicole's mum, and her sister Cassie, having them sort of like you know almost in love with Charlie, it sort of worked. Um, it worked in the favor of you know yes, this kid, but you, you've still got these other people that seem to love him. So it sort of took that emphasis off the kid as much as it could have been, I guess. Um, so I thought mm. that they were like really, really important characters for for that sort of thing for Charlie to not feel like completely isolated um, as a character. Yeah. You're right. And I think with Sandra specifically, it was a nice representation of that collateral damage that does come with a breakup. Those mm. closest to you, they're kind of forced to take sides, take your side, despite the meaningful relationship that they actually formed with your ex. And and those feelings for them don't just disappear just because you've had a falling out with someone. Like If you care about someone, you still care about them. And I like that that was captured in this story as well, because it's a huge part of divorce and breakups. Hmm. True. Are there any other characters that you want to talk about? I'd like to talk about Nora. Yes. Um, just a really successful portrayal of an absolute slime ball, I reckon. Because everything that she did was calculated and it was manipulative. And there's even that scene at the first hearing um, where um, Charlie's what was his name? Bert, where Bert, the lawyer, yep. Bert sort of talks by saying, you know, it's my client's understanding, speaking in the proper legal way. And you just see straight away the comparison of Nora saying, it's my understanding that he did this and he did that. And just that language, that bullying, that power, that everything about her, I just really 
disliked. Um, yeah, and it and even that, goes through right to the end when they get that settlement. And she goes, you know, she's like, oh, 50 50. She's like, no, nah, no, nah, I got you like 55 45 because, you know, she just wanted to prove her point that, you know, I, I do it like how I do it. It's not actually what you want, it's it's where I stand, sort of thing. And that's why I like that scene because the whole time I just dislike this character so much. And that scene's almost like the confirmation of, yep, <laughs> you're supposed yeah. to dislike her. She is. She is not yeah, doing anything. Emphasizes just that you know, the, that nastiness to her. Do you think Laura Dern was worthy of the Oscar in this role? It's a pretty good performance. I mean, it, mm. she's done that that job to make you dislike her that much. Mm, uh, I agree. I think, and maybe when you look back at it, you're like, you know, compared to the performances from Johansson and, and Driver, and she was the one that walked away with an award. <laughs> maybe it feels a little bit, yeah, it, it feels like she wasn't the best. Like she wasn't the best performance in that film. Maybe I kind of just, where... I think she was really aided as well by just really good writing. Um, mm. And I don't know how much she actually did. Like, I think she, like she still does a really good job. And and you're right, you, you you elicit these feelings towards the character. But I definitely don't like. And and again, it's all relative to who she's. And I actually, for what it's worth, I would Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit was doing a lot more with that role <laughs> than than Laura Excellent. Dern was in this. Um, so I, yeah, I just thought it would be, I thought I have to bring that up in this podcast at some point. I think Laura Dern was fine. Would you think it was the best supporting role of the year? Uh, I don't know. I can't, off the top of my head, I can't even remember who she was up against. Um, and well, Scarlett was nominated in Jojo Rabbit. Scarlett for Jojo Rabbit, yeah. Yeah. I can't even remember the other <clears throat> performance. So, um, mm. yeah, it, it, the Oscars are, you know, it's all about I know, how, I know. how much you promote yourself and how much you get out there. And, and I think, you know, this was, that was one of the awards that was like locked in as, oh yeah. You know, or one or whatever like there was there was no chance of her not winning that award um from and don't get me state. wrong laura dern has the runs on the board in hollywood and the academy does love to reward longevity and um I'm no problem with her being an oscar winner that's that sits completely fine with me laura dern's great um yeah. but you know was was mm. this the role all right so can, should we talk about the director a little bit i, th- um, I just wanted I'm yeah. sorry if you got more characters. I just wanted to quickly mention with with Bert. Yes. Um. I just like again. I like that comparison that I spoke about because Bert's a man who seems to understand the system, but he also recognizes that there's just little he can do about it. Um. And it just it really highlights that this system doesn't bow down to good intentions, and he kind of goes about his way knowing that it's not going to work the way he does it, but he does it anyway. And I, I think it's just that commentary on the way the, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, the divorce system is, is run, is, is set up to be to be manipulated by people doing the wrong thing. And it's even with, with Ray Liotta's character, with, um, with Jay, like Adam Driver literally said, or Charlie says, I needed my own dick. And mm-hmm. that, that, that's what it is. Like, this is, this is what it comes to with this whole... I don't know. There's there's obviously a big commentary on the on the divorce system here, and and Bert was like this guy where you're like he's great, but you know what? He's useless. But at the same time, like all um all Charlie wanted at that stage was someone to treat him like a human, and and for yeah, him, I think they you know they have that embrace, and it's just like okay, I get it. Like you know, this guy's going to be with you now because you've you've decided hey, you're the only one that's actually spoken to me like a person. So yeah. Eric, you know, you're the better of the worst, I guess, um, in that but sense. But Bert knew that too. Bert knew that's why he was doing it. But he also mm. knew that it wasn't going to work. But he just still did it because he's a decent dude. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, you can't have him keep going through lawyer by lawyer by lawyer. You've, you've got to have a point, I guess, where it stops. And mm. you know, is there an opportunity for him to get anyone better? Maybe not, um, because that that's how the system's set up, I guess. Is that yeah, exactly there's no right. Chance of overcoming that. Yeah. All right. Sorry about cutting you off there with the characters. Uh, no, no, you're right, mate. Finish off. So we'll talk about Noah Bornback now, just a little bit. Um, yeah. Obviously, we've, we've we spoke before about we've done a podcast on the the Maywitz stories already. Um, I just wanted to chuck in there that two films that you wouldn't expect him to have been involved in, two films that he wrote, which are completely different to this. So he wrote Madagascar 3 <laughs> and Fantastic Mr. Fox. And, and to me, that just sums up how talented this guy is. If you can go from doing films like that to a film like this, like that's that's talent. That is, that I is do talent. think that he came in late on Fantastic Mr. Fox to do some rewrites yeah. on the rewrites. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, mate, the, the guy's doing a lot right. Yeah. Anything else that you want to talk about the director? I'm just looking now on his IMDb page, and he's he's got a a screenplay that's been announced for Barbie. Yeah. Is he doing the Barbie film? Very interesting. I've got that on uh, my letterbox watch list already. So he's read it right okay. in this. Well, it's Greta Gerwig, so that makes sense actually. But Noah Baumbach yeah, screenplay that. starring Margot Robbie. Yeah, he's he's right yeah. the Barbie film. There you go. Good. That might be a good at, film. at this stage anyway. It could change. Stage, but... Yeah. That'd be very interesting. Let's uh, jump into some scenes, some scenes yeah. that about this film that we enjoyed, and then we'll follow it up with some ones that maybe we didn't like. So, MJ, what are what are some things about this one that you enjoyed? This this film opens really well um, with the what I love about messaging, and actually, obviously, it closes that way as well. But you, you're so quickly set up with what the film's going to be about, and automatically shows you the good things about their relationship and. I think the good things about their relationship are something that are so common throughout this, sorry, so prevalent throughout the entire film that, you know, it, it just shows you that there's going to be more than this than just a dirty breakup. Um, mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I think both times I've watched it, I've really been hooked from the, from the get-go. So um, that that's a really good scene. Um, there's a scene when they come back home early on after their first, that night out uh, when they have the the performance and and Charlie wants to read his notes out and mm-hmm. and they both know each other so well you know that you know you won't sleep until you can tell me and and then the way Nicole just bursts into tears as soon as she walks around the corner like everything about that scene was just so real like again it shows the the, the care they still have for each other and the pain that they're going through and I don't know. I just, I think I really appreciated that more on the second I, time around. I really enjoyed like that scene too. Like, you know, that, that's where Nicole sort of speaks about doing this pilot for TV, I guess. And mm. you know, Charlie's sitting there on the couch watching TV and he's like, you know, she's like, what do you think? And he's pretty much mm. like, you know, oh, I don't watch much TV. And, and the camera like pans across the TV and then back to Nicole's face just to get a reaction. And I thought it like, it was just great. Just such great directing just to, to show you where they're at. Like, obviously he's just not, interested in this move from her one little bit yeah <laughs> I just thought that was great yeah, and yeah he's, he, he's so got got his blinkers on with his life that he doesn't even stop to stop to think about the impact but yeah it is a, it's a great scene and yeah. um all right keep going yeah the next one i've got is is when um nicole first meets nora and scarlett johansson's monologue in her office taking her through the story is just absolute dynamite like you genuinely feel you're in the room with her during that scene, and the way the camera pans with her as she sort of blows her nose and walks to the walks to the bathroom, disposes of her tissue, and comes back, and 
just it's it's a mind-blowingly good performance in that scene. Agree. Good. Um, they set up the family dynamic around that scene where they got to serve Charlie with the law papers, and I just I think that whole scene is so hilarious, but also so realistic. All these characters just bounce off each other perfectly well. Uh, I enjoy it immensely watching that scene. Yeah, I, I have that down as well because I just thought, you know, the, it was funny. It was heartwarming at the same time because you've still got these, this connection between mm-hmm. Charlie and Nicole where he announces, I've won, I've got this grant, you know, I've, yeah. I've been given this grant and she's like, oh, I'm so happy for you sort of thing. And then you know that he's going to still be served these papers in, you know, in the next couple of minutes. So, yeah, yeah I completely agree. thought it was a really good scene. But the humor with it as well, it's which she's like picks it up and she's like, oh, uh, you're <laughs> served. You got served. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, cool. um, a nice little highlight of the messed up system with with um, Charlie and Bert when he when Charlie's like, I feel like a criminal and Bert's like well, you, but you didn't commit a crime and and Charlie says after that he needs to know that I fought for him talking about Henry and I, it's just the wrong priority at the time for Charlie um, I think he needs this stability in his life more than he needs to know that you fought for him and I, th- I think that, that that dialogue was really powerful in that scene. And, and I think it's at a point in the movie where it's getting a little bit dry and a bit slow. Um, and that really, and, and it always stood out to me. So I do like that nice. scene as well. Good. Um, the next one I have, I've just written that scene. Um, <laughs> it's exactly what fi- you're talking about. <laughs> the fight scene. It's so powerful. It's so provocative. The, the performances are just insane. And it could very well be... Have, well have been the scene of 2019 i just where do you even start with it yep i I literally wrote down as well the scene in charlie's apartment no further explanation needed like you you know you you go from being completely horrible to each other to being able to say sorry in the one scene and and the performances from both of them are just fantastic also this was an 11 page scene in the screenplay they filmed it for two days doing dozens of long takes that push them to the limit um and basically every single part of that scene was blocked out for their movements the way that they sat the way that they said things every single line was perfectly scripted um which is even an even bigger feat because you kind of think they would have just gone with it and seen how they felt but the fact that that was so orchestrated it just blows me away. Sometimes I just found myself watching that scene. It's tough to watch sometimes, but man, it is so powerful. It is. I completely agree. Um, and the only other scene I've got here, I know I've gone through a little bit, but I really like the finale. Um, just in general, is it a happy ending? I think it's kind of a happy ending. Like he's doing Halloween with them. There's no real questions asked. Like he's just so comfortable within that family environment again. And, and reading that letter at the end, to me, that should have almost sealed Adam Driver's Oscar that year. Now, I tweeted after I first watched this that it's going to be a shame that Joaquin Phoenix and Adam Driver, one of them's going to have to go home empty-handed. And I still feel that way. Any other year, Adam Driver's winning that that Oscar because I thought he was phenomenal. And that scene is kind of like the the signature at the end of the letter. So um, Yeah, that, that, that scene was just, you know, not only sitting on the bed, reading that letter and, you know, following up just by these little connections from throughout the film where, you know, uh, Nicole allows Charlie to take Henry, even though it's not her night. And, mm. and then, yeah, you know, coming change, back yeah. to fly lace up from as well. It was just, yeah, it just all blended in together to, for such a nice sort of conclusion to, 
to some we've had you know there's some tough moments um prior to that so oh, yeah. i agree i think that was an excellent excellent scene all right my turn what are, yeah your turn mate what do you reckon all right um you've, you've taken you know a few of the ones that i had anyway but the i thought the montages at the start of the film with the voiceovers they gave you everything that you needed to know about these two characters straight off the bat and i just really appreciated getting to know these two characters so quickly mm. and and being prepared for what was going to come. Um, so yeah, I appreciated that. I thought, um, and the, the couple of the scenes that I've got are just going to be little random ones that I liked for no other reason than me liking Good. random stuff. That's what this <laughs> so, is about. So the, one of the guys in the theater company, um, Frank is his name. He's played by um, Wallace Shawn. Oh, yep. <laughs> and you you recognize his voice. He does the voice of Rex from Toy Story, the dinosaur. Um, oh, hey. And he makes like this little comment like at the start about, you know, a barrel of monkeys. And it's just one of those lines from Toy Story that I was just like, oh, that is such a cool little um, <laughs> little connection. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so that, that I enjoyed that for that. Um, I, and another little random thing that I liked was Monopoly throughout this film. Uh, just, you know, you start off seeing the family playing it together like, the, you know, um, with, with um, Henry. And then yeah. you see another shot later on where Henry's playing it with other kids. And then, you know, there's a scene where Charlie's taking Henry out to buy all the stuff to fit the apartment out. And they're looking at the toys and Henry wants Monopoly. And he's like, I think he picked, I can't remember what I think it was Scrabble. He took off the shelf just to like, <laughs> you know, Charlie no longer wants Monopoly a part of his life um, because it brings Monopoly like life. should be famous for like breaking up families. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th- I, I thought that was really cool. Um, I thought the the scene with Nicole doing the pilot where she's got that blue screen sort of baby um, mm. and it's sort of highlighting her talents as an actress and, and how, um, you know, little that she could do in this role, just surrounded by all these people telling her what to do. Um, and it, like, it just had this little undertone that, you know, maybe she is born for theater and, and it just, the questioning when she's not doing anything but staying there like what's going through her mind and I'm, i was thinking you know is she may is she feeling regret that you know she's given up this career to have an actual audience there listening to her whereas now she's you know performing for a camera and no one else really so i just really appreciated that scene i thought that was cool it also um, kind of highlights that she was probably born for directing because of the nous that she yeah. has about that and then that's at the end i think she gets that award nomination for directing or Yes. Yes. Very true. Um, there's a scene where uh, Charlie's going to meet one of the lawyers and he drives up to the car park and he can't reach for the parking ticket. Uh, that that just reminded me of myself with my small uh, arms. Like I was, <laughs> just had a really See, that's why I didn't happen. like Adam Driver's a big man with long arms. He wouldn't have been in that problem. Uh, happens to me all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was, that was excellent. Um, and the, another scene that I really liked was the, the roller gate. So, um, you know, there's there's this scene where you know Nicole calls Charlie up because the roller gate for their their driveway wasn't closing, and right. um, you know it leads into her cutting his hair, something that you know yeah. she always did, and and then just the the scene with him leaving with Henry and each of them on either side of this roller gate and the roller gate sort of closing and just sort of shutting, and it's pretty much saying, yeah, th- this is what it's going to be like now. I thought that was very cool. symbolic. Yeah, and um, the 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 court scene too where that you know, they, they decided we're going to be nasty and, and just the two sides back and forth um, arguing in court where they, you know, they pulled the dirt, you know, the things that they said they weren't going to do, you know, they wanted to be friends. They, they didn't want to do this and they just pull these little bits of dirt on each other. And I just thought that was, that was an, another good way of just highlighting this tension and, and, you know, such a struggle that they're going through. Mm. Yeah. So that's um, me done with my scenes that I liked. Have you got anything in this one that you didn't like? Uh, not too much, but I, I think I, I have to say that I got I, I always got uncomfortable in all the Ray Liotta scenes. Um, just obviously when Charlie first goes and visits the lawyer and the way they talk and 
I, I, I said before that you, you notice Charlie's anxiety levels rising throughout the film and, and with that, my anxiety levels were rising with him and, and being in that scene where they, they're kind of telling him what he can and can't do it just made me uncomfortable. And I know that was what it was supposed to do, but it made me uncomfortable. Um, yep. And similarly with, with most of the courtroom scenes, made me uncomfortable because I just didn't like seeing the lawyers doing what they're doing. But again, that's exactly what it was supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, the only other thing I didn't really like is, is and again, this is uh, intentional, was the way that they communicated a lot of things through Henry. Through Henry, And a lot of that stuff didn't sit well with me, the way he's like, oh, mum said this, dad said this. Oh, does, is mum doing this? Is that, is, you know, what's happening yeah. here? And again, it's probably that just ha- a in real life so much. Like it's Absolutely. Anything, you know? And with, with yeah. Noah Bumbach being a child of divorce, I'm sure he was probably in the middle of that as well and, and really wanted to portray it. But so the things that I didn't like were things that were important <laughs> that just made me uncomfortable. And again, without that connection, maybe I don't sit there and go, oh my God, he's, he's bang on here. I go, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> so I don't know. No, that's all right. Um, the, I only I had two little things that I wasn't a massive fan of. I didn't like when Nicole picked up that other guy and takes him to the car and oh, pretty yeah. much just says to him, you know, um, she's like, just finger me or whatever it was. Mm. And I was like, I don't know. I was just, I don't, I don't know whether that was needed or whether that was just to be like, okay, we've got to try and even out the the tension between the two. We know that Charlie's had an affair, so we need her to be with a guy or something. I don't know. I just, that's, that scene just didn't uh, sit well. I, I saw it as like a recapturing of the, the youth that she lost with, with, cool. with Charlie. Um, you know, the idea of that, that kind of dirty hookup at a party that didn't yeah. even lead to sex. It, it, it felt really youthful and juvenile. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah, didn't Matt was a massive fan, and I I didn't like the the two songs from both parties at the end, like Nicole with the family and Charlie with the piano and and the cast of his theater company. I did. Oh yeah, I, I, know, I hated that song with Nicole and her family. I, that, yeah. that was shit house. <laughs> that just didn't. And I don't know whether like because I'd already heard that song. You know, you hear that song with Nicole and the family, and then when you see Charlie get up with the piano, you're like, oh, he's going to have a song now too. I don't know whether that made that even worse, but yeah, that, it's a tough that, ask sitting through two yeah. songs. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's that's all I've got as Good well. Good pick, so. though. I forgot to say that because I did, I did really dislike the song with Nicole and her family. <laughs> Time for um, some themes or some ideas. Um, what this film was was talking about. So, what have you got, MJ? I, I'm really intrigued by the exploration of divorce in this film. Because on the surface, uh, this movie paints the divorce courtroom process as painful and family tearing and a somewhat avoidable process. They really didn't have to go down this path. Mm. Um, It's unfair. It's unbalanced. It's painstakingly flawed. But the story isn't as much about the divorce process and the relationship side of things. In fact, the divorce is actually settled off camera and only really briefly mentioned by Nora at that party that was all settled. So we're not watching this movie for that big courtroom finale. That's just another part of the process. And depending on how you view the ending, you could argue that this divorce process was the beneficial step to allow that pain, that anger, and I guess the honesty to surface. So I don't necessarily think it's a negative look on this process as as much as like the steps can be negative, but maybe that's the process that you need to go through. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I, I thought that, you know, the yeah, you, like you said, you know, dealing in courts with that, that whole divorce process is tough. To me, like this was just saying the system sucks. 
Like the, and I don't think it, it wanted to or it didn't need to come up with a, a different way of approaching or anything. But the, the one sort of line that sort of stuck with me was, you know, that said something about, you know, we can accept imperfect dads, but we can't accept failing mothers. And that sort mm. of just highlighted to me this whole, you know, this, this whole system is already set up in a way that, um, you know, judges are going to agree with one side. And, and we saw that through Charlie's lawyers, like that they knew that they weren't going to win because of the way that the system set up. So to me, I, I just, I don't know. I just felt like, yeah, the, the system does suck. <laughs> I agree. But if you look at early on, right, Charlie and Nicole in the apartment, that thing we're talking about where he said, I don't watch much TV. So you look at them in that scene at that point in time. Hmm. I cannot imagine those two people being in the same position they are at the end of this film without going through everything they went through that included that painful fight scene that let everything out because they didn't connect. They didn't connect to that point and they didn't say these things that they felt. They were polite and they cared about each other, but they didn't have that raw honesty with each other and it took this to get that out of them. And and Good and you and they end in such a great spot. Really they really do. Yeah, it's yeah, I completely can yeah, see that as well and it's yeah, a funny and I don't yeah. <laughs> Without the system, I, look, then, I agree yeah, with you as well. Happened, yeah. yeah. All right. Um. The, yeah. Like the the communication between these two could have been could have could have prevented all this from happening if if Charlie just knew how to communicate properly. Yeah. Um, I feel like that this could have been you know that way we could have had this this need that um you know that she needed for this personal fulfillment could have could have been handled if Charlie had this you know this idea instead of creating pain and and that's what it was it was this these two characters were going through pain in different ways through different circumstances um without actually th- and it's about what's best for the kid like whatever happens the one of the lawyer system whatever happens the kid's going to grow so this mm. is about you guys actually working out your relationship and then once your relationship's worked out then what's best for the kid will come because you're not being angry at each other the whole time yeah, I think it definitely explores the idea of the family unit being stronger than the individuals that are within it. Yeah. Um, but I got to ask you, do you, you know, during like those conversations about, I know he said we we're going to go to LA, you know, but what about when you made a plan to go to LA? And he's like, oh, we discussed it. Like, mm. I, I can empathize with that so much just that idea that in his head he's like yeah we did talk about it he's like well she thought it was a plan and like you, you sort of look at like the fact that there he's not honest with her or he's not listening to her but I, I still get his perspective on everything that's that's the that's the great thing about this film is that he's got these flaws but they're flaws that like we probably all kind of have and it's just on a on a greater scale and that's what i, I just I love that specifically. He's like, oh, yeah, we discussed it. And I, I reckon I've been in a million arguments where I'm like, oh, yeah, we did talk about that. We just didn't get to yeah. the bottom of it. It's like, well, I interpret, thought like... People interpret things completely differently <laughs> when they're on different sides and you, you don't understand how the other person's thinking because you're just thinking how you're thinking. Um, yeah, that, exactly yeah. right. And it's not necessarily a bad trait. Like, it's a bad trait, but it's not a menacing trait. No, not at all. Um, the other thing that, like you mentioned here, is too, like this LA versus New York thing. Um, it was very critical of LA as a, as a place and, and as a location to set up um, from um, from the point of view. That, whereas, you know, you didn't see the opposite where people were putting New York down, whereas mm. LA was, yeah, I don't know. I, I just felt this thing like, you know, they talk about the space in LA or whatever, but there, there was no sort of... Um, argument against new york it was more just about well we're in la that's where my family is that's where everything is there was no yeah i don't know i just i thought that was an interesting sort of thing 
So you're saying, do you, so are you saying that they're being more negative about LA or New York? See, and this is a, it's a tricky one because for me, I look at it and I'm like, I think they're being pretty critical of LA through mm. the story of Charlie. But then on the other side, there could be someone that completely takes it and say they're being critical of New York because they're saying how open LA is and how much space LA has. No, I, I think, yeah, on the surface they're saying that. But I, I do think it's more critical of LA because it's, you know, LA is the home of Nora and Jay and these plastic fake people trying to get what they want. Like you see Nicole on the film set and you just like a whole bunch of people just jabbering around. Like I think, I think there's a, you know, it does paint LA in a pretty crappy kind of picture like la doesn't really new york never really gets a chance in all this yep good all right what did we take away from this one um oh look it's just a movie that really makes you think about your own life and like your own experiences and your decisions and again like despite the fact that i didn't actually have a personal connection to divorce specifically you know there's a lot of explored there's a lot that is explored about relationships and how you can navigate through them in certain situations and I think the main thing is that there's a certain human truth in these characters that you can relate to, which just makes it a really raw and engaging piece of cinema. And I, I kind of referenced this before, but I would, I would recommend this to people who have been through a breakup or have been directly exposed to divorce because it, it would definitely stick more with them and, and they can appreciate the lengths that we go to as humans to get ourselves out of hurt and, and, as, without as much damage as, as possible so there's just there's a lot of realness to this film good yeah i'm the, to me the what i mentioned before the the performances like you mentioned through this realness that they provide um they're just so good and i think that this one may get better with age like the, even though it's got the 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 critical consensus now i reckon even you know in 20 years time people are going to look back on this back on this in an even more favorable light and be like okay this this was one of the the best films of you know the the 2010s mm, yep mm. all right imdb time i think i think yeah. that's what we're up to is where we we sort of have a chat about if we jumped on our phones to check out any cast members throughout the film to see if we recognize them from anything else did you jump on it all mj i did i jumped on twice in this film even though i'd seen it before but i don't recall doing it the first time um actually that's why i reckon i didn't do it the first time i get to, so julie haggerty who plays Sandra, mm-hmm. who is uh, Nicole's mother in this. Mm-hmm. She is in the Christmas movie Noel, the one with Bill Hader and Anna Kendrick that came out on Disney Plus Disney last Plus. year. Yeah. Ah. yeah, so she plays Mrs. Claus in that. And that's probably why I didn't what I didn't do it the first time because I, just seen I hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> uh, she's also in Freddy Got Fingered. So I think there's a, I think she is familiar enough there. But the other one that I did, and I'm like, I was never a big MASH fan because it was before my time, but <laughs> I didn't know that Bert was played by Alan Alda, who is like the main character in MASH. I've seen a bit younger, of MASH. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. My, my folks used to watch a bit of MASH, so I recognized him as soon as I saw it. I was like, holy crap, it's him. So yeah. um, I'm sure the big film fans will be disappointed in that. But for me, that was a perfect IMDb. I, I also uh, looked up Alan Alda as well. Oh, um, good. <laughs> Well, <laughs> it wasn't for Mash. Um, he was oh, in Bridge okay. of Spies. He played um this character. Um, I think it was like Thomas Waters in um Bridge of Spies, and um that's what I remembered him from. I, well, that's a lot more recent, him. so you would have recognized. Yeah, him. He would have looked a bit similar. He does, yeah. So um, that was my my IMDb. Um, oh, good. Yeah, good. Sorry, it's all right. We looked up the same guy. <laughs> Question time. All right, have you got anything you want to ask me about this one? 
Well, yeah, this is an interesting question because I, I sort of spoke about this before about the whole divorce process. But I think if anything, this film tells you the story that time does help. And, and that's that's kind of comforting to know. But do you think time would have always helped or did they need to go through all of this to get where they got? Yeah, I like that we had a bit of a discussion about this a little bit before. Um, it's hard to tell. Like, yeah, I, the maybe it's to me, it's maybe more the distance thing that, made it more relevant and more uh, more of an urgency because if Charlie had have just gone back to New York and gone, I've lost, um, mm. then I think it would have been a much different circumstance. Whereas he's made that decision at the end to, to move closer that I think maybe the distance is more of a, the issue than time. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I, it, it, yeah. It's, it's not a yes or no answer. Yeah. I, I, I think the time helps and, and the fact that they broke each other down, to absolute breaking point, to rock bottom emotionally, they could understand where they were both at and what was important. Um, but I, I think, again, you get to that point where, like, he's in that scene, he's literally saying, you know, I wish that you were dead. If it didn't impact Henry, I wish that you would get hit by a bus or whatever he said yeah. and die. Like, to, to get to that point with somebody and then bounce back, that, that's, that's where it's a combination of, the fact that you're open and honest, but you know, the t- the time still needs to heal and time yes, does heal. Yeah, think, and that's, that's and, nice. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I do agree. I think, yeah, time is a very important thing too. Good. All right. That was, ooh, that was a heavy one. <laughs> I mean, that had to make me think. Have you got any other good gems like that? Uh, I don't know if we kind of answered this, but do you think Nicole actually ends up where she wants to end up? Do you think she got what she wanted? As in, like directing, or as in the the situation. No, no, the, with, the life, the life, the life. She made the a decision life. to break up with him, uh, mm. to obviously rediscover herself. And do you think that's? Yeah. The, do you think she ended up where she wanted to end up? I think that being with her family was very important to her. Mm. So, um, I think because she's got that support of the family that she probably didn't feel through Charlie, that she's going to be telling herself that she's in a better position anyway. Um, and as well as you mentioned before, she's got the new partner too. So, mm. yeah, I think. I, I don't know whether it's where she wanted to be, but she's obviously in a better space than she was when she was in New York. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a win for her. Yep. Good. Um, my turn, I think. Your turn. Or unless you, have you got more? No? No, no. This could be my, one my favorite part of this podcast. Questions. My favorite part <laughs> is answering your questions. Well, I've got, I've got pretty ordinary ones today because <laughs> I, I honestly struggled with this one. I still um, enjoy it. I took some inspiration from Henry. I just wanted to know, why don't interns get paid? <laughs> like, I think that's a fair question. They should be getting paid something. He could have answered that a bit better. I mean, they're getting yeah. valuable experience on the job. That um, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So cool. I still feel bad for the interns. They should get paid a little bit. I think that's my answer. To that some one. do. Um, some, depending what industry you're in, some will get paid a little bit. Paid. Yeah. Now I think I think this one's um, topical for both of us. I think we can both answer this one. I think we've both been to LA and New York. Which city mm. do you prefer? Well, I've got a very controversial answer here, I think, but I've been to, I've been to America twice um, and I've been to LA and New York twice and I prefer LA. I, again, both times I've been to LA, uh, well, I probably haven't explored much of LA outside of the touristy side of things. And both times I've been in LA, I've spent three, three or four days there. So not a huge stint. But yeah, I, I do love the Hollywood side of things. I think I spent most of my time doing movie studio tours and the like when <laughs> I was there. But I don't know. I do like the openness. I mean, we live in we live in the outer suburbs of Melbourne, so we've sort of got that openness to our current lifestyle. And New York, I just both times I was there, like New York's great and all, but 
it's too busy for me. And I think everyone's in a bit of a rush and everyone's kind of thinks they're more important than you are. I, if I went back to America, in honest honest to God, I wouldn't go back to New York. And not because I don't like it, because mainly because I've done it and I don't yeah. have to scratch that itch anymore. But I probably would go back to LA again. Okay. I, yeah, What's your I, answer? Um, I'm a, like I've been, you know, quite a few times. I think mm. I've never really explored downtown LA. Um, but I, I agree the Hollywood side of things and, and, and those, those types of areas I, I thoroughly enjoy. So I, th- I think if I was wanting to live somewhere, I'd probably live in LA. But if I got that opportunity to visit some like out of those two places, I'd, I'd go back to New York in a heartbeat. I think there's just so much to see, so much to do, just so many little pockets of different little things that you can just explore. And I really, really enjoy that about New York, but I probably wouldn't want to live there. So um, yeah, I couldn't yeah. live there for sure. Yeah. Hmm, good. Okay. Well, that's that's all I've got. That was I like that one. That was a good. That's one. a good question. Um, I like that's a really good question. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're ready to wrap this one up. Almost. Um. Again, we've we've gone a fairly long one today. So thank you for sticking with us. If you if you're still listening, the the end of our show, we we put together oh, our yeah. summary of the of the film, and um, we give a rating out of five, and then we sort of work out a, a Netflix. Oh, sorry, a Flix forum Netflix average. So MJ, what are your final thoughts for Marriage Story? Oh, look, this this movie just does so much right, but. It's still a slog at times. It's it's not the sort of thing that you want to just rush to put on, but it is raw and it is beautiful. And it, it tells a story that's real, that's painful, that we can learn from. You can learn about yourself. You can learn about your relationships and how we prioritize things in our lives. It's got realistic storytelling. It's got unbelievable performances. It's not my favorite movie, but it's still a feat that I have a lot of respect for. Um, and it's four stars. Nice, good. Um, I'm just going to repeat you again because, <laughs> I, yeah, you know the the performances and the characters they were just really, really believable. Um, almost to the stage where it was like too realistic. And I think I probably mentioned before I like my films to sort of create a little bit of escapism. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like these were really realistic. Uh, apart from those two songs at the end, I guess, because <laughs> that's not not something that just happens in everyday life. Um, so I mean, and like we mentioned before, that scene between Driver and Scarlet is amazing. Um, even if you you don't want to sit down and watch this whole film, just check out that scene because that scene is worth just watching with no context, just to see these two people go at it, and you don't need any context to understand. They are two people who do love each other but are having a tough time. So I, I highly recommend that scene. Um, and I am also giving it a four out of five. So um, that gives us a Netflix a Flix forum average of four out of five. Can I just say that scene? So when I first watched the movie, I watched it, I went to bed and I was like, I gotta watch that scene again. So I was sitting in bed and I got it up on my phone and I watched it again. And my wife was like, what, what the hell was that? And I was like, oh, it's a scene from Marriage Story. She's like, I never want to watch that movie and and i can understand like and and and, you know this is not her kind of movie anyway and and you talk about escapism that's that's the kind of thing that she definitely likes to get out of movies so you can understand that there is that that rawness and Mm. that that power to it that people are just like i don't want to spend my movie time watching that so i yeah i get it both ways yeah good um well we're on social media we have Facebook, mm-hmm. we have Twitter, we have Instagram. We're, we're active on there. And obviously that's what we've got this episode from is from yeah. people responding to us. So um, we pop a question up and this question, this this is a really tough question that I'm, I'm going to put up there. And it's who did you feel more for, Charlie or Nicole? And I don't know that I have an answer for that question right now, to be honest, because I, I, I don't know if you're meant to, like I think they do a really, really good job of making it as even as possible. Um, 
and I think that that's one of the that's that's magic about this film is that you don't yeah. feel worse off for one person than the other person but i think it's still something really good to just have in the back of your mind and go who did appear or who did come off worse and who who do i connect with more because you know in a lot of films you'd be like oh i'm going to connect with the male more but that's not the case in this one you, you you connect with both i think just as much well i did anyway you're saying that as a male though you're obviously saying you yes yeah sorry i'm saying yeah, yeah, with yeah, females yeah yeah yeah. Yep. So, yeah, yeah yeah you know you do you put yourself in someone's shoes and you sit there and go oh that's that's kind of what i would do but i think I, I kind of think that during the duration of this film, Charlie is worse off, but Nicole is probably a lot worse off before the film actually starts taking place. Like she's living this stunted life uh, and she's got to make these tough decisions to get out of it. So th- they probably go through the same amount of pain throughout all of it. Um, okay. I think yeah. we probably see more of Charlie's on screen though. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, that's a good way to sort of uh, finish this one off. We obviously uh, have a very good back catalogue. I'm, I'm sort of pumping up a bit. I think we have a good back catalogue. We've got close to 100 <laughs> episodes of Netflix films that uh, you can go back, check out, have a look at. Um, and especially if you've enjoyed our chat here, you know, we, we, we do have a chat about films quite often. So um, please check out our catalogue. Download as many as you can. Um, and yeah, thank you for Let us know what together. you think. Yeah. If, if you yeah. if you want to hear any kind of other reason why we should do a bonus episode, whether it's a vote or another bracket or whatever it is, we are all ears and we are here to serve our beautiful Flix Forum family and we love them all. Couldn't have said it better myself. So yeah, thank you, MJ, for coming together for this special occasion. It's um it's been been a good experience. It's a good movie to chat about, to be honest. I think if you watch Marriage Story and you don't talk about it, you're probably missing out. Good. And um, I will see you back on our regular show um, next week. You certainly will. See you then. See ya.